Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing music and esports and gaming. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is William Breslau. William is Strategic Partnerships and Gaming Strategy Manager for Atlantic Records. Previous to working at Atlantic Records, Willie worked at Red Bull in their brand marketing department, as well as intern at 300 Entertainment. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So kind of set the stage a little. You know, tell us about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how'd you kind of get into the more professional side of the gaming world? Yeah, absolutely. So for as long as I can remember, I've been a, a huge gamer in my life and it really started around GameCube and the the Nintendo systems at the time around there I was playing SSX Tricky all the time with friends, Tony Hawk Underground Pro Skater, um, you name it, anything on the console from Mario games all the way up to Tony Hawk, as I mentioned. And then the first game that really stood out to me, though, was World of Warcraft when it came out in 2004. Uh, me and a lot of friends got really hooked into the game, as, as most people know. Uh, it is a life sucker and a life drainer, and that definitely happened to me and my friends throughout middle schools and parts of high school. Uh, we'd have LAN parties all the time uh, and just be playing for hours and hours on end. And I have so many great memories with the game itself. Um, so I've always been fascinated with games and, and gaming in general um, and never really saw it as like a professional endeavor or a career path. Um, I went to college for, for economics and government and realized that's not what I wanted to do, uh, kind of transitioned more towards entertainment. And I took that job at 300 Entertainment in between my junior and senior year. And I really got exposed to the music industry there and, and fell in love with that side. And I've always been a music lover as well. Um, and ever since that internship, I knew I wanted to work in music. So right out of school, I was looking for anything under the sun that had to do with entertainment and specifically around music and music labels. Um, but they're very hard to come by, very coveted jobs. And everyone in the country seems to apply to the 40 or so jobs that are that are out there. Um, and I was lucky enough to land a job at Red Bull. Um, I was working on their brand marketing team, like you mentioned, uh, and that's everything from from the can standpoint. Uh, so how do we unroll a new can and market? Uh, how do we get more consumers to interact with the cans, et cetera? But while I was at Red Bull, uh, they have a lot of music properties as well. So I was helping out with things here and there, whether it was Red Bull Music Festival in New York, Chicago, their booths at Lollapalooza, Govball. So I was always having my hand in kind of uh, the music scene there. And after about two years working there, I knew if I wanted to kind of work my way into music, I'd eventually have to leave. Um, so I just started to apply to all those jobs again. And luckily, I landed at Atlantic Records uh, for the first eight or so months. I was working on what was the strategic development team at the time. It's kind of like business development, but at the label itself. And then after eight months of that job, my boss left Atlantic and went to Warner Music Group Corporate. Um, so I was floating around a little bit. This was November 2019. So five or so months before the pandemic hit. And I had always been a gamer. And my boss at the time after the my former boss left was just like, hey, sit tight. We'll figure out something for you to do. And I'm not someone that sits around very well and just twiddles my thumbs. I always kind of need to be doing something. And I'm always thinking. Um, and I knew my love for gaming was always there. And my love for music has always been there. So I was trying to think of ways that they could inter intersect with each other. And I knew that there was more ways than the two industries were currently inter interacting with each other outside of just straight up licensing to the Maddens, the FIFAs, the MLB, the shows of the world. I knew there were so many people watching content, so many people interacting with games, interacting with this inter immersive media and consuming it at, at, at exponential rates, the same way that they're consuming music at exponential rates. Um, so I was sitting in the digital marketing department specifically, and I was really focused on content at the forefront. 
Um, so I was really focused on getting our music in the background of gaming clips, um, starting on YouTube, uh, kind of taking note about our artists and like where their interactions and, and their passions aligned with gaming. Do they play games? If so, what games do they play? On what consoles? Do they stream? Are they watching any streamers? So I started to just compile all this information about our artists, find out who on roster identified as a gamer and who didn't. And then from there, I was able to whittle down our roster of roughly three or so hundred artists down to 75 that identified as gamers. And then from there, I was looking for content opportunities for them, whether that was interacting with content creators on the YouTube space, on the Twitch space, and kind of figuring out what we can do with them there, um, connecting them with pro-am tournaments, and really just kind of bubbling up until the pandemic really blew gaming out of proportions um, to what we all know it is now. Um, so before the pandemic really broke out, it was kind of hard getting internal buy-in um, for kind of touching to a new market and speaking to a new audience. But once the pandemic hit and we we're all obviously stuck at home, everyone was like, go for it. Uh, we obviously know the, the power of gaming right now. Um, you can interact with your, your fans and keep talking to your fans in new ways. Um, so ever since the pandemic, really, uh, it was a catapult for the foundation I started to build for the five months prior um, and then just exponentially grew it. Uh, to what it is now. And I, I have to say, I, I think I have the best job in the world. Amazing. So, you know, I think it's always a really kind of testament to this stuff where it's like, you know, you and your friend, friends were just playing because you loved it. It was something you engaged with and you understood the social side of the gaming. So I think a lot of people that aren't part of the culture and maybe aren't, you know, gaming in these kind of more, you know, cult kind of games, the way I would say World of Warcraft and some of these other ones are, they don't understand the interactions, the kind of joy that you have just sitting in the basement playing StarCraft two for four hours with your friends where you're all sitting on your laptop and like you're ordering pizza and watching movies and you're just like gaming. And it's just like you need to be a part of it to understand it. And I think you were able to kind of be this bridge and, you know, kind of touched on a little bit. So, you know, Atlantic Records kind of developed this new role for you. You mentioned some of the stuff you were doing. So a lot of it is kind of setting up the talent, you know, in the gaming world, helping them set up their Twitch or, you know, what kind of stuff are you, you know, doing on behalf of the label and their talent? Yeah, absolutely. So at, at the start, it was more kind of focused on content. So one of the first things I did was, like I mentioned, kind of see what games artists played. And uh, one artist that stood out was YBN Namir. He was playing Call of Duty all the time in GTA. I don't know if you know anything about the mm, YBN yeah, crew in I general. See- but they, uh, they all met on GTA, so they have a great origin story around gaming as well. Um, but the first thing I did was get YBN Namir on stream with the New York Subliners, which is a, a New York-based Call of Duty professional team, um, and Allie Long, the, the women's soccer player. Um, so that was the first thing from there, and then it just kind of all lined up from there. We got Tyler for 21 Pilots on the Chipotle Challenger series, um, which was a huge, huge look. Uh, we've done some original uh, music for Riot Games. Um, we had one of our acts, Wallows, perform in the middle of a Halloween tournament, which was a Fall Guys Halloween mashup tournament that Ven hosted. Um, we've done some stuff in Roblox. Obviously, Warner Music Group is an investor in Roblox. Um, we had Tones and I in a mini game in that in Roblox. We've done the Why Don't We Roblox concert and more to come as well. And then most recently, uh, one of our up and coming artists, Lil Easy, uh, we got him on Label Wars, which was just a Call of Duty pro am between labels um, there and so forth. So, like I mentioned, a lot of it started out with working in digital and the digital content sphere, but a lot of what I've done is trying to seep gaming into the foundation of Atlantic across the board, regardless of the department. So I've worked with A&R and coming up with new original songs. We're working on touring right now. What does touring look like when it's coming back um, in the summer and fall? 
How does gaming tie into that? We've worked with radio. We've worked with press. So pretty much every single department within Atlantic touches gaming in some respect. Maybe some are less than others, but every department touches gaming in some respect. And then Warner Music Group, the corporate entity over Atlantic Records, is making investments all the time in gaming spaces. So I'm the conduit there to make sure that the investments that they're uh, going out and securing are things that we can take up at Atlantic and actually take advantage of. Uh, a lot of times it seems like that would just go to waste because a lot of people didn't know or didn't know how to really uh, ingest it into the Atlantic ecosystem. But now there's like that conduit, like you mentioned, the bridge between the two worlds, music and gaming, that can speak to both uh, when they're talking to like the corporate entities that are making the investments in the space too. Amazing. I mean, I think that, you know, all the stuff you mentioned is exactly where this all fits in. And I think that, like you said, during, you know, the last few months in the year, we've really kind of seen people getting more innovative from the concerts to kind of actually getting the, you know, the musicians, the entertainers, the athletes themselves involved in, you know, a more front facing capacity. You know, I know a lot of us all know that the celebrities love playing these games on their own, but now they're streaming on Twitch and they're participating in these tournaments and are playing with pros and other, you know, celebrities that like gaming. And it's really just kind of opening them up to a new audience and I think, you know, the biggest plus that I always mention when I'm talking with people is you're creating a whole new avenue for monetization. You have the built-in money from, you know, streams and subs and anything that comes through the platform themselves. But then you also have a new way to enhance your brand and the sponsors and the partners you're working with. They can sponsor your stream. They can be on your Twitch overlay. They can have, you know, new product testing live. There's just so many new avenues that now is opened that didn't exist before. And, you know, I think that might be some of the reason, but give us a little insight. Like what led Atlantic Records kind of expand and be more focused on this? Like, you know, pandemic aside, do you think that it was just like they were understanding that this is where entertainment itself was going? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think you have to take a step back for a second and look at the music industry as a whole um, over the course of its 80 or so odd years since the 40s when it started. It's kind of been the same since then. There's been like slight adjustments here and there when kind of the streaming wars took place and you kind of saw the dip in, in the music industry. And I think we're experiencing the same thing right now or were when the pandemic started. And the music industry was kind of faced with this point where it either had to change and correct to what the future holds or kind of remain the same and kind of fall out. Um, and I think when the pandemic kind of took touring away, which is half of the music industry's income and just source of contact with fans and, and general consumers, uh, they were looking for new ways to have a touch point, that more intimate touch point with consumers that you generally get when you're at a show 
That's the most vulnerable time an artist is, is in front of you. That's the experience you talk about with your friends uh, that you'll talk about and, and for the rest of your life. Um, so they're looking for more of those types of opportunities. And I think gaming went, uh, was raising its hand for to be that kind of conduit to talk to fans again and be that kind of experience that people were so desperately craving over the over the pandemic. And not only that, it also gave artists the more more liberty to kind of explore their creative expression. Obviously, in the real world, you're limited uh, by physics, gravity, um, construction constraints for set designs, etc. But if you're actually at the caliber to be integrated into a video game or no programming yourself or just know the metaverse and digital universes in general, you know that there are no physical limitations. You know that you can give yourself wings and fly across stage. You can breathe fire if you want to. Um, and I think that's opened a lot of people's imaginations again and kind of creative juices again um, while touring was gone. I know there were a lot of at home on, on your couch concerts and things like that. But when it comes to actually diving into video games, um, they knew that one, there was a massive, massive market for it. Obviously, it's like a billion, hundred billion dollar industry plus. There are close to two billion people that identify as gamers across the world. So there's a huge, huge core fan base there that we can speak to and kind of the world had been subtly ignoring for the last 30 or so years. And I think it's about time that everyone around the world that identifies as gamers kind of raise their hand and say, hey, uh, it's time for us to be heard. And and we ha we know we have the power and we know we're, we're a consumer that everyone wants to talk to. And now I think brands are finally starting to catch up with that outside of music as well. You see a lot of brand sponsors, like you mentioned, that want to start sponsoring either gaming events, streams, kind of promote their stuff through gamers. Um, so now that brand money is there as well, I think a lot of labels will start following. A lot of other people that are associated with brand dollars will start following into the ecosystem too. Okay, so before we touch on that a little bit, so how do you see music and gaming working with each other? You know, do they work with each other? Yeah, I think they work great with each other. I think the one amazing thing about music is that it's a complementary media source. So we're not competing with anything else to really get your attention. If you're watching something on Netflix, obviously you can't be watching the next HBO special, but our music can be in both. Um, so we really think that music can enhance everything around us that is like a active slash passive consumption of content in general. Um, and that's just the bare minimum. That's like the base right there. Um, but outside of that, uh, when you watch content and there's downtime and it's kind of silent, it feels a little bit awkward. Music kind of adds a little bit more life and vibrancy to whatever you're doing and producing. Um, and then just outside of music and gaming on the content level, uh, just the fan bases and people who identify as gamers and people who identify as music lovers, there's massive crossover between the two audiences, if not complete crossover between the two audiences. The way that someone finds new music is almost the same way someone finds new games. And like the way people interact and talk about games is the same way people interact and talk about music. So just the cultures around the two, while they might be viewed as different, are kind of structured and fundamentally the same. Um, how the consumer interacts with both and how they interact with each other. It's just going to exponentially increase the outcome of both products. Um, so you can work in a silo and just do your gaming thing, or you can work in a silo and just do your music thing and they'll do great on their own. But when they come together, that's when they just kind of two X, three X, four X each other because of just this great mashup of just everyone's passions, their passion points at the end of the day, music is a human passion. Games have been a human passion, just like sports has been a human passion. And now that gaming is kind of becoming that third, fourth pillar of human culture um, that is being recognized by everyone around the world. Um, it's only a matter of time until all these pillars are kind of siphoned into one and kind of blow each other up to new proportions. And I think it's just the beginning and tip of the iceberg there. But yes, music and gaming work amazingly together. 
Uh, I mean, I totally agree with all of that. I think that you kind of said it best where it's like there one doesn't detract from the other and they really enhance the experience and amazing music just adds another element to whatever the viewer experiences. And I think, you know, someone working in the industry coming from the, you know, grew up in the music business my whole life and then really kind of transitioning to the esports and gaming world a few years ago. I kind of understood what, you know, live music and, you know, the experience that this has, you know, the going out to the club, the seeing a live show, the hearing a song in Madden or 2K and just how you're able, you know, I don't even play games with the sound. I play with music in the back and it's just yeah. kind of like, that's always the way I, so it's just kind of like, that was the soundtrack to my gaming is whatever, you know, my playlist of the moment is. So, Absolutely. you know, I kind of think about, how, yeah. And think about how many moments are really heightened by, by music just being there, whether it's like a, a recap video and you can perfectly time like a drop of a song to like a kill shot or the a buzzer beater in, in 2k or anything like that. And just the goosebumps that are sent down your, down your arms when you have that kind of pairing there. Absolutely. So, I know we kind of touched on a little. So we do you see this is going to be a new trend with record labels and more traditional entertainment companies like, you know, following suit and developing departments or hiring individuals to kind of work at this intersection of the entertainment and music and gaming. I think there's going to be a, a wide variety of approaches to the space. So obviously Atlantic, I think, took like the most aggressive route by just hiring someone that is specifically full focused on gaming and like nothing else really for the most part i do a little bit of other stuff but my 80 percent of my job is focused on gaming i think there will be some labels that follow suit and do the exact same i think there will be some labels that do absolutely nothing and don't change at all um and we'll have someone that's like the immersive technology lead touch on gaming um, it's going to fall under someone else's purview, but no one's going to be dedicated to it. And then I think there are going to be people that fall in the middle, kind of either carve out one person to do something here and there, but not maybe focus on specifically that as their job. Um, but yes, I think kind of the music industry will take notice and will follow suit, um, but everyone's going to approach it differently, um, whether they're business constraints around that, uh, personnel constraints around it. Um, but I think most people, if not all, will kind of have someone dedicated to the gaming system and gaming sphere um, outside of just like their musical purview. If it's just a digital market or a product manager, I think there will be someone at most labels kind of overseeing at least gaming strategy. Interesting. I think that makes sense. You know, I think as with most of these new worlds, there's some that go full fledged and we're like, okay, we see the numbers, you know, I think the limitless potential of how many people you can have in a space, like, you know, you have 25 million plus watching Travis Scott, like what venue in the world holds 25 million, let alone a million, let alone half a million at once. It's, you know, the numbers just blow up when you factor the whole world or, you know, a whole country or continent. So, you know, I think that as people start really truly understanding the value the innovative entertainment companies will understand that this is yeah. more than just, oh, we want to be music video games or we want to have the the music for League of Legends. Like the live shows, the all these concerts, the the way to have ticket concerts and gaming, you know, these gaming and music festivals are gonna come where it's like you can win a trip to game with your favorite, you know, musician before the concert mm -hmm. or backstage. Like these are gonna be the things that are going to be one of a kind for fans that I got to play a round of call of duty with my favorite DJ or producer. That's going to be the experiences that I think are going to really hit home. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, and going back to what you mentioned about fan bases in general, 
obviously music's always had global fan bases, but the way that they market and kind of talk to each fan base is very regionally. And with gaming, it's almost the complete opposite. You're able to finally bring this global fan base around an artist together in one moment, whether that is the Travis Scott Fortnite concert where 25 million people around the entire world, not just in the U.S., were watching it. Um, where else can you say that? You can't say that if you go to the Coliseum in L.A., it's not going to be there. You're not going to be able to hold that many people, and it's going to be strictly for L.A. and people that live in the surrounding area. That's the great part about games and just the Internet in general is that you can finally have the entire fan base in one place no matter what time of day it is, no matter what time of year it is, you can have everyone in a given location experiencing the same exact thing as one fandom instead of the New York fandom, the Chicago fandom, the South Florida fandom, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's the the beauty of gaming and just the internet overall and the connectivity of it all. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think that that's the biggest you know thing that I saw with it. So I know that you know music licensing is definitely a you know a big thing. It's it's pretty misunderstood. So I'm just going to set the record straight. If you don't own the rights to the songs, you need a license for it. Which means you have to go to the license holder, whether it's the record label, the music publisher, or both. If you did not write the song, you don't own the rights, and you have to understand that. Artists themselves, they may think they have the rights, but if they signed an agreement with a record label or a publisher, chances are they assigned those rights and they just receive the income. So I think that with this in mind, it's important for people to understand that you know they're streaming on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook Gaming or any of these other streaming platforms. There is legal requirements with the music, whether it's played on stream or using these videos. There is licensing and there are things that need to be taken into account. Yeah, absolutely. Licensing, especially music licensing, is a is a huge, huge beast. And while I don't specifically sit in the licensing department, I've gotten a great purview of it over the last year and a half or so. And in the U.S. specifically, it's pretty much divided between the master rights holder, which is usually the label and the artist, and then the publishing, which is anything that the writers, the producer of the song, anything and everything in between. And then if you're trying to do it globally, then you might have something called PROs, which are performance rights organizations that you have to talk to and go to. Maybe it's in Denmark specifically or in South Africa specifically that you'll have to get the rights for that song in that specific country. Um, so it becomes very complicated even within the U.S. And then if you expand globally, it's obviously going to get even more complicated. And we've been trying to figure out ways to make it easier for gamers and just anyone under the sun, actually, to be able to license this music at, uh, at obviously not like a huge, huge premium, something very, very minimal. So you can then continue to monetize your content and you won't have the big hand of a record label or a publisher kind of coming in and claiming monetization across your entire content. We're kind of figuring out ways where you can pay a very, very nominal fee, cents on the dollar if even, um, where you can kind of come in and be able to license music for your for your gaming clips, for your content, live streams, whatever it might be and not have to worry about someone coming in and putting a claim on your content, putting a strike on your content, like demonetizing your channel, because we know that's obviously the livelihood of a lot of people that are focused on this as their primary source of income. Um, so we are trying to remedy ways to make it a little bit easier, but it is a massive global beast, and there are a lot of players at the table, so it will take a long time for it to really come to fruition, the view that I have at least of it, um, but we're working on it to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, you know, as someone who's in the industry, you know, Facebook gaming and, you know, YouTube have kind of 
figured out licensing agreements as TikTok with some of the larger rights holders. And, you know, Monster Cat Records, which is, you know, well-known EDM label, actually has a similar kind of subscription where streamers can pay a monthly fee and have access to all their music in their catalog and use it for their videos and stream it on Twitch. So, you know, as someone who kind of sits at this cross-section, you know, I believe that's probably the way these things will grow and operate. And ultimately, you know, someone who's always worked on talent side most of the time incentivizing the creator and making sure there is compensation for being a musician or a songwriter as well as being a streamer or content creator or pro gamer there needs to be this balance and i think coming up in the digital age where you know most of these kids had napster and kazaa and got everything from youtube they never understood going to the wall and buying the 1999 cd and putting on the sticker and hope it doesn't get scratched so, you know, their intake of music is a little bit different. So, you know, I'm hoping that as it goes forward, more labels like yourself kind of think of these innovative ways to kind of bridge the gap and, you know, expose the music to, you know, their audience as well as provide compensation that's due for everybody. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think the the label industry as a whole is still reeling a bit from the streaming wars that happened almost a decade ago at this point, not necessarily reeling from it in terms of monetization and financial situation, but just the memory of it, that moment where it kind of dipped and crashed just for a second, and they don't want that to happen again. So they're always going to be on the forefront of what's the new thing that's coming out? How can we get ahead of it? How can we make sure our rights are being upheld? So on and so forth. Um, so with all of that, there's obviously a lot of politics that go along in the back end. Um, but I completely agree with you. I think being able to offer something to these streamers, content creators, and just anyone that wants to be able to utilize the music, even if they post one video a year, but that's what they want to do and they love doing that once a year, I think they should have the option to be able to pay a very, very minimal fee, kind of like the Monster Cat Library, and just be able to kind of have their pick of, a, of the litter from what they want to do. And an artist that maybe that no one else has ever heard of, but it's their favorite and they want to use it to all the way up to the biggest artist in the world. Amazing. Well, you know, it definitely sounds like this is the way that the industry, especially those who, you know, see the future are kind of pivoting. So to kind of bring it all together, what's the future for, you know, Atlantic Records in the gaming and esports space? Or, you know, better yet, what do you see as the future of, you know, music and gaming in general? You know, that's a beautiful question because right now it still is a blank canvas. It's so early in the cross section between the two industries that everything that's happening every day is something new and no one really knows where it's going to go. You can have ideas and kind of figure out new things, but every single day there's going to be something new that comes out of the woodwork. Um, I bet you there's going to be a lot more synthetic artists that come about uh, that touch on gaming and you kind of travel between metaverses and kind of in between uh, games. Um, but there, there's going to be obviously more in-person events. How is music going to be intertwined with actual esports events now? Obviously, there were a few artist performances at esports events in the past before the pandemic. But how is that really going to change when it goes back to in-person? I think it's going to be a little bit more than just like your your average concert at an at a esports event as like the halftime show or right before the finals. I think it's going to be a little bit more interactive, a little bit more personal, a little bit more flair from the artists that are going to be participating. I think you're going to see a lot more partnerships between labels and esports organizations, whether that's Call of Duty League overall, individual teams. Um, I think every intersection there is with music and gaming, it's going to just kind of blow up into its own little ecosystem and business units, if you will. 
Um, I think it's just going to continue to rise and grow and expand to places that people haven't even dreamt of yet. And people that have dreamt of it might not even be in the music industry or gaming industry yet. Um, I bet you there's someone out there that's eight years old thinking of new ways that I could not even imagine right now. And that's the beauty of it. It's just going to keep evolving over the next decade, two decades to kind of become something that's more cohesive, but still relatively new. And it's just a beautiful blank canvas right now, as I mentioned before. So kind of whatever you can imagine people are trying or I'm trying at least. Uh, So we'll see what sticks. Uh, I like to throw a lot of ideas at the canvas. And sometimes if I throw 10 ideas, only two will stick. Um, But I'm going to be chasing those two, you better believe. And then I'll circle back on those eight that didn't really stick there later down the line when I learn a little bit more. Um, So there's going to be something new kind of emerging every single day. And as the years go on, it's going to continue to build and grow and grow until it's kind of synonymous with the music industry. And you kind of don't remember a time when where people weren't talking about gaming or music in the same sentence. Well, that is really some music to my ears, you know, pun intended <laughs> on that one as, you know, like I said, you know, coming from this world and kind of sitting on this, these two worlds and seeing how they collide. And, you know, for the last few years, I've been really encouraging my music clients, like get on Twitch, like this is a great way for you to interact. Like, let me help you set it up. And, you know, it's been a thing I've been doing with athletes and other, you know, influencers where it's helping them understand how to do it, the approach you have to do, how you interact, having the right technical equipment, having the right overlays and emotes, these things that add this added level of like, okay, we're coming to your world gamer, but I respect it. And I understand that I need to come correct. As they say, like, you know, I can't just turn on my webcam once in a while and expect it to work. It's like, they want to see that you're taking this seriously and believe in it. And if you do it, you start to see the benefits of it. And, you know, I'm sure we can attest to, you know, some of the artists you're working with as, as, as well as some of the professional athletes that have been announced getting into it. And, you know, I just see this as, you know, as you mentioned, the continuation of where it was going already. And now that the whole mainstream pop culture is really kind of taking it to heart and it's no longer like, oh, I'm playing Call of Duty, you know, on a Friday night. It's like, ah, obviously I'm playing Call of Duty on a Friday night. What else would I be doing? Mm -hmm. That, you know, the whole conversation shifts and, you know, there's going to be more music and gaming festivals. I would be surprised if every big music festival doesn't have some gaming component in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point that when you approach the gaming audience and the gaming sphere, you have to come at it correct. Like you said, you have to come at it authentically because they can sniff out uh, paid promotion. They can sniff out someone that doesn't understand the culture. They can sniff out anyone that's clearly there just for a cash grab. And even if you approach the space saying, hey, I've never been a gamer, but it's interesting to me and I'd love to learn more about it. People will welcome you with open arms. Obviously, Everyone started at some point in their lives. Some people started earlier, some people started later, but everyone has that moment where they come to gaming and they're just like, I love this. I love the space around it. I love the people around it. I love everything. I love the lore behind this game. I love the soundtrack to this game, whatever it might be. Always go in doing your research or admitting that you don't know certain things and then the community will welcome you with open arms, like you said. Amazing. I think that's great advice for everyone out there coming straight from, you know, someone who clearly knows what's up. So I like to kind of end each episode with, you know, my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Favorite game to watch? Well, as I said, I'm a huge World of Warcraft player, but I love watching Age of Empires. I love watching League of Legends. Call of Duty, obviously, is just an easy one to consume, uh, whether that's on TikTok, YouTube. It's just quick clips. It's very easy. Um, I used to play a lot of Overwatch, so I still watch a lot of Overwatch as well. Uh, Apex is great. Um, 
there are too many honestly to get into i'll watch even sometimes like very obscure games that i used to play like i'll look up old games that aren't around anymore like astro squid that i used to play when when we'd have like a a teacher in class that didn't want to teach a lesson so they'd bring in a computer card and everyone could just grab a computer and do whatever for 30 minutes astro squid was like the first game i had in that realm and me and my friends have been diving in deep trying to find it again but you have to buy like a, a macbook from 2008 in order to play on it um so i kind of i'm just digesting gaming content all day pretty much so what's your favorite game to play Right now, World of Warcraft, uh, they recently re-released Burning Crusade, which is the first expansion of the, the gaming uh, of the title. Uh, so I've been playing that a lot. Um, my roommate's been playing a lot of Age of Empires 2 lately, so I've been watching him play a lot uh, of that too. I play a lot of Rocket League with some friends. Call of Duty, obviously, is a great one to play with friends too. But I would say primary focus right now has been World of Warcraft. Okay, awesome. I like that nice balance. So who's your favorite video yeah. game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Oh, that's so tough. That's a that's a tough one. I'd probably have to say all time it might be Kirby or or Link. Um, I am so, so excited for the second installment of Breath of the Wild. I have my Switch all ready to go for that. Um, I'm very excited for Mario Golf as well that comes out in three days. Uh I have to say with a little bit of embarrassment, but it seems like such a fun game to play with friends. Uh, But I'll have to probably go with Kirby or Link uh, for all-time greatest characters. Okay, so it sounds like some Super Smash and Nintendo world over there. So I like where your head's at. Of course. Um, So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Thank you very, very much for having me. I had a great time on the show. And uh, thank you again for, for welcoming me with open arms. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn if, you, if you're if you so interested. Uh, I go by William Breslau on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to hit me up there. I do not have a Facebook anymore. So unfortunately, you can't meet me there. Um, Instagram, I keep rather private, but it's W Breslau, my last name. Um, and then you can just, yeah, find me on those two and then uh, see where it goes from there. Awesome. So, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Mm-hmm.